Hi there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from my beautiful and sunny Key Largo. I, uh, I did my first spin class back after, since my arrhythmia and it went well. Just want to tell you, I'll talk about that a little later. Have some couple things to talk about that. Not, not any observations, just some funny stuff. Also, I wanted to talk about uh, bartending as diplomacy. And a couple things about relationships. And I know I have a, something else in here, too. I think that's pretty much it. Um, but if you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about Keys life and bartending. So the bartending part, a lot of times people concentrate on the technical skills you know, making the drinks and things like that, which are very important because without knowing how to make the drinks, you're not bartending, right? You're just standing around just throwing something together. But there's nuances to becoming a bartender. You know, you can be the greatest mixologist in the world. You can come up with hundreds and hundreds of drinks that are fabulous. But if you don't know how to talk to somebody, you know, you're missing a very valuable skill. And that's... uh that's diplomacy. And take it diplomacy from a guy that just speaks his mind. Sometimes, yes, I'm not diplomatic. I'm, I'm downright. Sometimes, I, I have to admit, sometimes I've been downright rude. But I don't like to think of myself that way. So I try to be, if I have the energy, be diplomatic. And there's lots of things you have to do with that when it comes to bartending. One of the main things is how to properly cut someone off. And just the act of calling you cutting someone off from drinking. It's an abrupt action. It's you judging another person. The other person feels as if they're rejected, they're judged. They're just, you know, they're told that they're something that that Obviously, when they're when you feel they drank too much, and if they actually drank so much, their judgment's impaired, so they don't realize that you're doing something for them. That is something you actually have to do. You have to explain to them that you're not doing it for yourself to cut someone off because they're drunk, not doing it for the building, you're not doing it for liability, which is all plays. That, that is all in play too. But one of the things I actually feel is that I'm doing it for that person. Like I'll, I'll just say to them, the first thing you lead to, I care about it, the condition you're in. And I don't feel that I'm serving you well if I still serve you. And I'm using serving twice. You see that? It's a plain word. So if I'm over serving you, I'm doing a disservice to you. And I care about you, you know, when you get hurt. And you tell them, you lean on that so hard. It's hard for people to get angry at someone that says how much they care about them. You know? Now, sometimes that doesn't work. And I've been there for that, but it has one of the highest, I have to say, percentages, like, 60% of the time, it works every time. And you want to start out with something like that. Some people only respond to brute 
force or brute force, meaning brute force in language that will not, I'm not going to serve you because you're intoxicated and blah, blah, blah. And, and not try to explain too much because the more intoxicated some people are, they're at their most ir- irrational. So if you're dealing with a person whose baseline is slightly irrational anyway, a drunk irrational person is much worse. But then, you know, even irrational people when they're drunk, they're just, they don't quite understand it. And hopefully, you know, if you're speaking to them enough that you're, you kind of bump around a couple brain cells and they kind of connect the dots and they go, oh, well, this person's actually trying to do something that helped me and it served me well. And you might, that may creep into the forefront of the person's mind, but I'm moving up from that. So that's a big one. There's also diplomatic when, when someone is asking for, I get people to come down and they start asking for things we don't have right away in rapid succession. Do you have truly, do you have uh, so-and-so vodka, so-and-so whiskey, so-and-so beer, whatever it is, and it's no, 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 no. And they go, when they start, instead of giving someone a string of no's, I like to ask them a question. I say, can you tell me what you're kind of looking for? What kind of taste? I know I want to phrase it so it doesn't sound like this. What kind of taste profile are you looking for? Now, if the guy's wearing, or ladies wearing a bow tie and glasses, not the lady's going to be wearing a bow tie, but the suitable woman version of bow tie and glasses, uh, that's some line you may want to throw out there. What particular taste profile are you looking for? What would satisfy you today? Or what would you like to have today? Or what's your favorite drink when you're not drinking? And now giving me an idea of what I can get for you. Or what's your favorite drink? What kind of drink you're looking for? Blah, 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 blah. And um, actually that happened yesterday. There was someone asking, I, um, we're having fun. It was Dan and Elizabeth. They're locals. Uh, I did meet them before. And I remember I had fun with them. They're very, uh, you know, they're very, they're a humorous couple. And Elizabeth goes, well, she, she, we go back and forth. I called her a, uh, a Euro snob. Not a Euro snob, a Euro, G-Y-R-O, the pita uh, Euro meat uh, sandwich that you get. And it's famous in New York. And I called her Euro snob because it has to be, the, the meat had to be called carved up and she's a real sweetheart the woman's a nice woman and dan's fun too but they were asking about an espresso martini and she goes well how are your espresso martinis that are good do you have coffee beans to go in with that and i said you know i don't have a coffee bean and stuff like that i still think i do do a pretty good job with that and she ended up ordering one and she enjoyed it but um there's that's being diplomatic when some people ask you a question do you, you know they're asking you for things that maybe it's not on the particularly on the level that they normally expect it to be. So you you just kind of zero in on what they're trying to determine when they're asking for something like that. Or another thing that happened last night, we had pu- people come in with three minutes before the kitchen closed, and they sat down. And I said, "Oh, you're going to be eating tonight?" And they go, "Yes," and they go, "Oh, okay." And there's a way of telling people that. You know, it's not going to be a 15-minute ordering process because the kitchen closes in three minutes. So I said to him, I said, listen, normally our kitchen closes at nine. It's about, you know, it's a couple minutes before then. Would it be possible for you to make a decision rather quickly? I, you know, depending on what I can give you as much time as you want. And they were nice about it and fine. And they sat down and 
They ordered and I got their drinks. That was no problem. Now, there was a person afterwards that came in that took a little bit of diplomacy. A little back and forth went on. We had a group of four people come in. And they brought their own seafood in, their own fish in. And it was right after 9 o'clock. But, you know, in that case, and you've heard me say this before, when the kitchen's still rolling, I mean, rolling, serving other food, we could take an order. And they came in. I said, listen, the kitchen just normally closes at 9 o'clock. It's a little after 9. We're going to ask if you can, you know, maybe... Uh, make an abbreviated selection if you could. You know, not because sometimes people take a half hour to order and things like that. And that just moves the time. And we're, we got to be cognizant, not only are we being diplomatic to the guests, but we have to be di- diplomatic to our kitchen help. And most of these guys that are working in the kitchen, they, they come in, they work other jobs. If they don't work other jobs, they were working there all day. So these two options, they were either their second job or other jobs. And you don't want to keep them there too long because they normally, they expect to be out at 10, 10, 15. Because a lot of them have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning the next day after to get home. And who likes it, you know, well, that's another story for another time. So one of the gentlemen, they said, oh, yeah, no problem. And one of the gentlemen came in, and one of the people in the group, and he says, you know, we spoke to someone yesterday, and she says it closes at 10 o'clock, the kitchen. And I said, no. And then he goes 9.30. I said, well, no, there's no half hour uh, extension. It's either 9 or 10 o'clock, and it's 10 o'clock on Friday and Saturday, and 9 o'clock all other nights were open. And he goes, well, there's another woman that said that. And I said, the only other woman that say that is the person that created those hours. And I'm not trying to say it. And he goes, well, why are you like so-and-so? Why are you like this other restaurant? You know, that's what's wrong with them. I said, you know, buildings and businesses, businesses can, especially restaurants, they can make their own hours. And it doesn't make them bad just because their hours, they're open for the time they're open. It doesn't mean good or bad. It's good or bad is the quality of the food and service they give you, not the time they're open. And we're pretty good with sticking. If we're open, if we say we're going to open at this time, we're open this time, we say we're going to close this time, that's when we're going to close. Now, I didn't say any of this to the person. I said, no, I don't think she said that because she's really good at that. She would have said that during a week we're open till nine and on the weekend it goes, well, you're... Uh, you're saying that uh, he was about to say, you're saying I'm lying. I said, no, no, I'm saying you may have misunderstood. And then finally, one of the other workers I was with was here when they came in the night before around the same time. And she goes, the owner had the same discussion with this gentleman and said it was nine o'clock during the week. And on Friday and Saturdays, it was 10 o'clock. The only thing that makes you think it was the gentleman probably thought it was Friday when it was actually Thursday. But that's not it. I was just going, sir, the, the reason we make those decisions, and someone said, you don't have to explain this to the person. I said, you know what? I like to explain to them so they don't think it's an arbitrary meaning. I said, it's not us per se. And sometimes it is us, the people in the front of the house. It's the people that work in the hot kitchen. We don't want to really burn the candles on both ends for those people just want to take care of them. That's one of the things we do. We want to make sure that they come back. Um, so that 
you know, that's a diploma, diplomatic way to do it. You not just say, no, this is when we close. And, and they say, well, why are you still serving if it's after nine? And I said, well, you know, we, we will if we're cooking other orders, take another one. But then about 10 after nine, we'll just tell people we're not doing any more orders. Okay. And that gives people a little more time, you know, but this way, you know, otherwise, why not just stay open till 10? And he go, and then the final thing he said, well, why wouldn't you stay open later? And then I looked around. I said, there are eight people here literally right now. Eight. Uh, well, actually, there was nine people there. And I said, we did not close anybody out, abbreviated their stay here. This is the time they left. And this is the way the restaurant looks on a Thursday. Now, we had more people. You know, at our busiest, we had 75 people here. And it's just saying in the town that we're in, that's when people stop eating. You know, we do a lot of fishing. People are up in the early in the morning. It doesn't mean that we're an old town, even though it does skew a little older than Miami. But we're open in the morning. So I'm going to move on from there, too. Um, an annoying pa- a, pa- a patron that's annoying other people. That is very tricky. Because you got to insert yourself between the person that's doing the annoying and the people that want to be separated from them. And you have to do it like, hey, listen, um, you know, at one point you got to say, listen, can you, uh, these people are here, they're, they're just here for a quiet meal, or this young lady doesn't seem to really want to talk to you. That's one of the toughest things. That's one of the toughest things. But you have to be clear in that sometimes diplomacy is harsh. And it's like, I don't know what the reason is for it, but this young lady doesn't want to talk to you, sir. Okay? Um, Please respect her uh, right to be private. You know? And and if he gets gets rude, that's when there's no diplomacy. When if he gets rude and starts being harsh, then we have to be more abrupt. I like to call it abrupt. And say... You know, and you can assume what that is, being abrupt, is saying cutting the person off, here's your bill, you're gonna have to leave now. So that that's when diplomacy ends and I guess what you call what whatever you know, you're putting on the daddy pants. Sometimes you have to put on the daddy pants for that. So being able to put people at ease, using that di- diplomatic skills everyone has, like which someone has, and when someone spills something, does something kind of embarrassing. They did something that's embarrassing, and they spill something. I said, listen, if they break a glass, some people, when they had a couple, you know, they had a couple drinks and stuff like that, your, your coordination is skewed. And you break things. You fall, you trip, you do something. You may leave something unbuttoned. I'm famous for having my fly open all that time. Luckily, I wear boxer briefs. And I'm usually covered up. And I say, listen, it's not like I'm going commando. You're not going to see anything hanging out of my pants. Not that there couldn't be. But I'm not going that there today either. But that that's just one of those things. And I tell people when they, if they're embarrassed about something they did, if a boob pops out, right? 
I just say, listen, it happens all the time. I break when someone breaks a glass. Oh, I'm so embarrassed about breaking a glass. I say, ah, that's the thing about calling attention. I said, when I break a glass, people clap. And then I got to clean it up. And sometimes I get glass in my hands. And then I get kind of pissed off at everyone. I'm ready to go and turn around. I go like this. When I'm, when I get embarrassed, I say to people, I get angry and I just want to flip everyone off. And that usually gets them laughing. And once you get them laughing, they forget about it. I just say, listen, listen. I go, oh yeah. You know, you spill something and stuff. It happens all the time here. And you spill it on a bar. And that's what the bar is made for. It's waterproof. You can just spill right on top of it. And um, and people go and say, well, what, um, you know, I said the only place I worry about breaking glass is when it's near the ice. Near the ice where we have to do the ice because we have to dump the ice. That's all we have to worry about. And even then I'll tell you, I go, I'll be, you know, I've broken glass near the ice where I had to dump it. That's embarrassing. And I've done that. So usually it's kind of diplomacy in certain situations. You're you're trying to enforce a rule. You're trying to, um, like, trying to stop someone drinking, stop from annoying a person. Uh, uh, trying to people questioning restaurant policies. And then there's another one where you're using diplomatically saying, listen, there's something that happens and you're embarrassed about it, something you like, you're sharing the commonality. Especially one last thing I forgot. When the food is not to their liking, that is, that crosses over from diplomacy to customer, strict customer service. So diplomacy is customer service. Actually, I shouldn't even say it. Diplomacy, customer service. If if they don't like it, if it wasn't what they expected, sometimes there's multiple reasons why people don't like food. First of all, it possibly could be bad. Something could be wrong with the base ingredient. Something can go, go wrong with the preparation or the time cooked. Right? Or the you know, prepar- you know, like I said, the preparation. Or their expectation. I had no idea that's what I was ordering. I get a lot when there's a new menu item added and they'll ask for something and I'll just say, oh, I thought you were ordering a new menu item. Like we have this spinach artichoke dip. And someone said to me, instead of saying spinach artichoke dip, they go artichoke, the artichoke thing. I said, oh, I'm thinking of fried artichokes. They just added fried artichoke hearts. And I ordered that and they go, this is not what we ordered. We ordered the spinach artichoke dip. I go, oh, okay. And instead of explaining to them, you didn't say spinach artichoke dip. You said artichoke. But I said to him, I said, you know, that was my mistake. I should have repeated back, you'd like, and you'd like the fried artichoke heart. I should have done that. And they go like this. And, they, and I t- took care of the item and stuff like that. I offered and said, listen, I'll order it again. And they said, no, that's problem. These are delicious. And it worked out pretty good. So... Just so you know, it's not all about making drinks. Okay, this Wednesday, this Wednesday, this Sunday, I just got called up for a wedding. And these people, it was kind of an impromptu wedding. These people were planning to get married, I guess, in the upcoming weeks. And they got a hold of their license. They live up uh, in Miami. I'm not going to give it away where it is, but I'm doing a wedding. And it was nice. There was... They were nice people, sweet people. I'm talking to the um, potential groom. And they were kind of like, oh, I just wondered if we could see maybe on Sunday in the afternoon. And I said, that's when I do it, when I'm off. I do I concentrate, do a lot of these weddings on when I'm off from work. 
And they said, oh, I thought maybe the short notice. I said, there's no problem whatsoever. Blah, 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 blah. We did it. And I was just thinking, I really do enjoy officiating weddings. Here's something that I get to do with people. And I immediately become a, not like significant, like a parent or an in-law or a brother and sister or a friend. But I became, I become an significant, If I do my job right and I do it without too many screw-ups and stuff like that and make them smile, make them relax and stuff like that, I immediately become a significant part of their life that they may remember. Say, remember that guy who did it and he was so nice about it and you didn't do this, it wasn't a pain. You know, that's what I always try. I don't, I'm the one thing, that's one of my superpowers is Sometime, especially for a bride and groom, I have an intimate understanding of how important certain things are on, certain things are to people by the way they say it, by the way they say it. Sometimes I misread people, but rarely do I. And uh, I try to really accommodate people and say, listen, I'll do it the way you want to do it. If you don't have any idea you want to do it, you tell me if you want a civil, do you want some religion in it? Do you want a, the, the, you know, do you want to be creative with it? Or, I, or, you know, I don't ask them if I want to be creative because, you know, you could say the wrong thing really easy in a wedding. You can really, you can really do that. Say the, you know, there's, there's things that get people triggered sometimes and weddings are the perfect time to trigger certain people. Because it's not, it's a, it's a high emotion time. And sometimes it's high stress. It's really high stress. But luckily, when people book short time with me, when, when I say short time, within a week, usually they're not so stressed out or particular. They just want to get married. They want to do it the right way. And they want to do it at the right place. And I say, oh, well, let's I'll get a couple pictures. Let's do a couple pictures. I'll take some I usually include that in there from just a couple of these wedding stuff like that. I'll just say, hey, listen, you want me to take some pictures of you? I'd like to get some pictures of you. Okay. So that's, um, I get to do that on Sunday. What a wonderful thing to do on my day off, isn't it? And speaking of my other jobs, right? I got back this um, week. I told you about my travails. My travails. Is that the way to say it? But with getting back to my hospital job using uh, getting the physical evaluation release form. And I go back and as I go into work, I see um, a sign at the front desk at the wellness center I work at in the hospital. And it's a gym that's open to the public. You've heard a thousand times. And it says, welcome back, Jim. I thought oh, it was so sweet. And then um, they... You know, some other people brought some other things, and that's what I'm going to talk about. But uh, it was really nice to get back, and you could tell the people were really concerned about my well-being while I'm returning to work. You know, this guy. You know, the the last time they saw me working out in the gym, most of the people, not particularly the group that was in there today, uh, the last time they saw me, I was being carried out on a stretcher. <laughs> I was being carried out on a stretcher. I had just been shocked with an AED, you know, a defibrillator, right? 
And I hadn't breathed for seven and a half minutes. So I can understand why they're 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 cautious about that. And I told them, listen, I'm I'm being good. I'm watching what I'm doing. I'm monitoring my heart rate. I actually showed up a little early so I could warm up a little so I could be ready for it. So in the middle, I got it. And besides running to class, I got to look at my watch and I go, oh, my heart rate's doing pretty good. I guess I'm all, all right uh, today. But um, I have to be, um, I want to thank for the people that, uh, be thankful for the people that showed up. And that's Alice, Wendy, Lizzie, Allison, Laura, Melissa, and, uh, to name a few. And um, I get... Um, Wendy brought me in some balloons, right? I made some uh, fruit fruit salad, which is, you know, I guess she knew uh, I was on a, re- my diet has changed. No more cakes. I, she almost got me Entenmann's. I love the Entenmann's, right? Or Tasty Cake. And she she told me a story that when she got these, uh, those little aluminum foil balloons, Right. And one said, uh, what would you say? I got to get it out of the car. Uh, congratulations and something else, right? Welcome back. And she was purchasing the balloons. And the gentleman who she was purchasing from or talking to when she was checking out, she he goes, oh, what's this for? And she goes, he explains the story to him. Uh, didn't go all the way through the story, I guess, because the guy says, did he make it? And she's holding balloons saying, welcome back and all that stuff. And I thought that was really one of those interesting things that people say. Maybe he, someone did get balloons. Maybe it's a thing at, at funerals now. We get the balloons and say, you know, here, these are blo- funeral balloons or um, sorrow balloons or, you know, whatever you want to call them. I would have. What I would have said, I would have looked, I would have went blank at that time and would have go, well, I, I meant to get a cake. So maybe you can read the cake and I'll tell you, it's, you know, and I said, think about a cake you get. You could write on, what, what would you write on that cake? What kind of balloons or, or cards? What kind of cards we get for someone in that particular situation where you're bringing balloons? It could be like cake. If they're a friend, they may go, sorry about your demise, right? And neutral, you go, Heard you were dead. That'd be good on a cake. Heard you were dead. Uh, if someone that wasn't too close to you, glad you're not here. Glad you're not here. That's a good one. Um, or surprised. You can go, oh, you know what? You're so lucky because the weather sucks right now. It's been raining a lot. Or you you could do all these things that normally you you wouldn't give balloons or cards to people or um, cakes for. I mean, they started years ago. I always was shocked. It was about 40 years ago or was it 40 years ago? About 30 years ago when I started hearing about divorce parties. But you can go like, this wouldn't be good for uh, the former president. So you were indicted. That's a good, that'd be a good card or cake. Um... Or you can go, you are not the father. That would be like a gender reveal thing. And when the person, you know, you pop the balloon. And instead of, you know, when people are announcing the, the sex of the baby, they can just come in and not only that. Just, oh, it's a girl and you are not the father. I guess, and you know, I guess that vasectomy worked. 
that'd be good. Or this one, a disappointment, a disappointment cake. So your, so your daughter or or slash son is a stripper. Or you can kind of happy one. He says your dog actually caught the car. You know that's. And or real sad one is so your wife left you. I mean, there's all these things that people. I mean, there was a movie called Five Hundred Days of Summer. It was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Levitt, and uh, Zoe Deschanel. I think she was in it. She has a vocal fry voice, but um, he worked. the The main character worked at a greeting card company. A greeting card company, and it's. I bet there. And you know what? I'm making light of this stuff. I bet there's cards out there for it. But, you know, I mean, I bet, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's a big world out there. Like I said before, with the internet, you got craziness spreading out virally. So anybody has a thought like that, that's out there. I mean, you're not going to get, sell a ton of that. Glad you were, glad you were not here. Glad you're not here. I think that would be a brilliant, glad you're not here. That would be on a death cake, you know? And people say, well, I mean it in two levels because the world's kind of messed up and I didn't really like that person. That would be pretty good. I'm going to wrap this up uh, with talking about relationships. And you know what? You can become friends with someone in a short amount of time. You really can but you really can't get intimate with someone until you know things about them. You know? And still they start telling you things about them. You're just, they're just, um, you could be friendly with a person, but the more you know about a person, the more intimate you become. Meaning when you share things, when you tell, th- when they tell you things that they don't tell everyone, and you share things that you don't tell everyone, it kind of ties you together. No matter what your relationship is following that, if you're a honorable person, I like to think myself as an honorable person, uh, then you tell you tell them you they they are sharing secrets and uh, of their personal life with you, and you have you you keep that. And I take that as a, you know, an honor when someone shares those things to you. And it is is very difficult to become close with someone when there's big secrets. You know that? It's just one of those things. I mean, some people can get close to people and that that's uh, you know, that that crosses over into another type of relationship. It could almost like an obsession. But when you start sharing things, you got to be really care. I mean, I guess you got to be careful about sharing things too, because you're creating intimacy, and that's hard to. Um, it's like investing. It's like investing in in some in in this stock. You start putting more and more of your uh, wealth into something. You're you're kind of tied to it. So, uh, when, when someone does share something with you, that normally means they want to be closer to you. 
And that, that's normally a message. When someone starts sharing, it is it, it, sometimes it's not always the prettiest secret in the world, or it is an interesting thing. It tells you more about that person. It's just at the bottom of that sharing is a, a, a desire to be close. I hope. I don't know. Oh, there it's still recording. I thought my recording stopped. Well, listen, I'm going to end it now. I'd like to thank you for listening. I had a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. It looks to be a beautiful weekend. It's, um, well, I'm just guessing it's going to be a beautiful weekend. I just hope it's a beautiful weekend for you guys out there and that you take care of yourself. Uh, always be kind to yourself. This weekend, do things that are good for you. And take care until next time I see you or talk to you. Actually, I'm not going to see you. If I see you, well, it's possible I do see you because some of the locals do listen to the show. Either one. Have a great day. Bye.